Section 15 of Movies and Hollywood Short Story Collection, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Capricia Page. The Film of Fate, Part 2 by Josephine Dascom Bacon. From half past six, when the uncertain notes of Sadie Rottenkind's somewhat amateurist reverie waked her to a sketchy toilet in an agate basin and a variable cup of coffee in the mess tent, to nine at night, when the last giggling infant had been sternly suppressed by Mrs. Compton's awful visit in a mackintosh over her nightgown, Fifi bustled and hustled those protesting little girls from drill-ground to lakeside, from the manufacture of flapjacks to the splints and bandages of theatrical casualties. In one ear rang the matron's perpetual plaint. "'This is going to be very bad for these girls, Miss Amory. All my discipline is being steadily undone.' In the other, Mr. Ficken grumbled in a nerve-racked tenor. "'Look here.' tell her this is a motion picture act will you not a ywca we got to get some pep into this and poor fifi would explain pacifically to him i know but you see after all that's what the children are here for really she's so good to them and to the outraged educator of youth she would murmur deprecatingly you see all he thinks of is the effect and after all that's what we're here for isn't it both of them found her decidedly weak and inefficient. "'The only one that gets a thing out of these kids is me,' said Mr. Lute. He answered to that name as well as Hunt, Kansas, or Bill. "'Because you stuff them with those dreadfully sticky lollipops,' Fifi answered severely. "'I do wish, Mr. Lute, you wouldn't do it. Mrs. Compton is furious about it. If you'd only give it to the good ones,' she says. "'I wouldn't spend much in that case.' he vouched safe. She earns her money if you ask me, that lady. She surely does. Fifi could not make him out. He was like no one she had ever seen before. Far less clever than Mr. Ficken, he was, in his odd way, more of a gentleman. He knew less about motion-picture technique than the shy little assistant, who nevertheless treated him with marked respect. A solitary young man, he ate mostly alone, or took a sandwich with the chauffeur, with whom he held interminable arguments as to the conduct and condition of the big dusty car. "'Oh, all right, General, all right,' the chauffeur would reply disgustedly. "'Anyway, you say, of course.' "'Why does he call you General?' Fifi asked abruptly on the third day, as they sat eating cold baked beans on the bank of the lake, out of sight and sound of the children, who were recovering their various tempers after a trying morning of touching picnic poses. "'Same reason you call me Lute, I suppose,' he answered. "'I'm a lieutenant in the army.' "'Oh, my goodness! I thought it was your name!' she said. "'What are you doing here?' "'Then your name is Hunt. I suppose Kansas is another nickname.' "'Yes, am "'Hunt, Bill Hunt,' he replied. "'I—I I was gassed.' The doctor said I must keep out in the air. If I get indoors much, I cough. And I wanted to understand this motion-picture stuff. 
There's nobody in the business like old Ficken. Gast? You mean in France? No, ma'am. I never saw France. That's what seems so silly. They were trying it out in the camp where I was, and some of us offered for the experiment, and I happened to get it bad, that's all. I went south for the winter and spring, and I'm supposed to keep outdoors till this winter. And then they say I'll be all right. What a shame, she murmured. He was a fine, manly sort of fellow, very vital and active, if not really good-looking. And his sulkiness seemed quite understandable when one knew what he had gone through. Oh, well, he said in his characteristic, drawling way, and fell to figuring again on his eternal old envelope. That morning had been a gray one, and soon a sudden shower blew up and spoiled the afternoon. Carryalls were summoned for the damp and protesting children, and the hospitable Mrs. Compton offered supper for all and bunks for the men in the big hay barn. For the sheets of rain poured furiously down, and Lieutenant Hunt promised the same distressing conditions for the next day. Fifi was bored, blue, and suddenly hopeless. The pictures appeared all at once banal to a degree. The little sisters ridiculous in meddling. Even the children were tired of the endless posing, the countless lectures from Mrs. Compton, the nervous heckling of Director Ficken. Fifi herself, unconscious of the fact that they all believed her to be an actress, grew weary of their fevered questions as to the life on the stage and the road, and resented their plain incredulity when she explained her ignorance of these things. "'I wish that priestly girl would stop asking me if I ever knew Belasco,' she complained bitterly to Lieutenant Hunt, and, "'Oh, I wish that disgusting little Alma would stop trying to look like Mary Pickford.' "'Well, you can't blame em, he said, lighting the pipe Mrs. Compton allowed him. "'All girls get stage-struck, I guess, and having you here and Ficken and all. "'But good heavens, I never saw Belasco in my life,' she complained. "'No, didn't you?' he returned. "'Well, there's lots you have seen, I guess.' "'Oh, yes,' she agreed listlessly. "'She was very tired, and the days before them in the studio in town were not so interesting somehow.' as they had promised before the monotonous round of posing and practice began. In the first place, Hunt would not be there, and she knew that she was going to miss his quaint, unconscious rudeness. Nobody had ever treated her so brusquely, so flatly. He assumed with perfect simplicity that she was necessarily ignorant of most of the important things of life. Of course, being a woman, you couldn't understand was one of his most characteristic sentences. Ladies, of course, don't care for that sort of thing, was another. When sometimes, in desperation, she had treated him to one or two of the cynical epigrams that had so amused and amazed her professor, his pained and averted silence had left her as embarrassed as he. The give and take of the girls and boys of her own set was absolutely unthinkable to him clearly. His crudeness exasperated, yet fascinated her, and she insisted upon engaging him in conversations, which ended in long monologues by him on the essential proprieties as misunderstood by young women of the eastern states. "'Thank God our girls out home are raised differently,' he would end. "'I wouldn't marry a girl from the east if she was the last one on earth.' "'Do you find us so pressing here?' 
she would query satirically. Oh, well, nobody wants to die an old maid, he would answer placidly, stuffing his pipe. Oh, rot! Really, Mr. Hunt, you are too absurd. Plenty of my friends aren't married and don't intend to be, she would inform him. They have a much better time as they are. I guess the less said about that, the better, he would answer briefly. And just what do you mean by that? I've nothing more to say. No, ma'am. She would walk to her tent with dignity and compose speeches witheringly ironical before she slept, but he never heard them. At last the job was done, the scattered bits so jerky, so unrelated, which Mr. Ficken assured her would fit neatly into a smoothly flowing story, were ready to be assembled, and in a burst of lollipops and cheering they left the camp, a nearly disorganized community. "'Good-bye, girls. Keep off the stage,' Lieutenant Hunt called cheerily, turning with a defiant glance from his seat beside the chauffeur to meet Fifi's eyes. "'Why does he look at me like that?' she wondered to herself. And later, at their lunch, in some noisy wayside inn, she marveled still more at his stiff apology. "'I shouldn't have said what I did back there,' he said abruptly. "'But I meant it. Before God I meant it. And I can't help it.' so you can take it or leave it. I haven't the least idea what you mean, Mr. Hunt, she answered with her most insolent amory intonation. I guess you know well enough. I'll be saying good-bye here. I'm sorry we haven't been better friends, Miss Amory, honest I am, but my ideas are different. She glanced up at his tall, slim, young stiffness from under her bobbed hair. When you've been longer in the East, Lieutenant, you'll learn that we don't pick our friends in quite, quite such a casual way, she drawled smoothly. You might do worse, he said. Goodbye. Alone with Ficken and the photographer, a great and nervous fatigue caught her, and her throat swelled and ached. She put her face against the dingy cushions and cried quietly from Yonkers, to the little sister's headquarters. "'Don't you be worried about the film stuff, Miss Amory,' the director reassured her. "'It's only the stills that might be rotten. That young Kansas doughboy mixed those plates for fair. I'm just about certain. He's good in some ways, but I made the mistake of my life not to manage my own camera on the stills. He thinks he knows it all, that boy.' "'He certainly does,' said Fifi. "'I'll bring the young ladies up to the studio tomorrow. Have you your list of everything?' "'Kitchen set,' he shot at her. Bed for invalid, sheets, and so forth. Poor cottage interior. Got to hunt round for outside house. Somewhere in the Bronx. Report tomorrow on that. Baby, any particular age, did you say? Bathtub, piano, soldier, non-commissioned officer's uniform. Turkey ready for stuffing. Mother in widow's costume. Have him up there at eleven sharp. Don't let your debutantes make up. Absolutely unnecessary. I'm afraid I can't do much about that, said Fifi with a wan smile, but I'll do the best I can for you, Mr. Ficken. She was bitterly sorry she had ever gotten into the thing, which is a state of mind common at one time or another to all uplifters. Nor was her disillusionment relieved by the contingent of little sisters sent her from headquarters on the morrow. Dear Fee, wrote her best friend on the board, whose presence she had counted upon to share any amusement there might be in the day. 
we have decided to send up for the picture five or six girls i don't think you've ever met they're a little bit sore about their local branches not getting any notice and we thought this would be a fine way to square them do you see lila betts is the one from our crowd i know you and she don't hit it off very well but mr betts has offered to give us a big benefit performance of the film in his village casino and serve tea to the entire audience so please put up with her they're all crazy about it it must be too exciting for words best love fifi grinned stoically mr ficken had promised to work it all into one day when they arrived at the great barn-like studio the little sisters giggling hysterically in their terracotta capes as they dismissed their chauffeurs for the day the first shock of their professional careers awaited them instead of the humble soldier's cottage they had expected to find awaiting their sisterly ministrations a lordly town-house of the decorative period consecrated to the moving picture filled two-thirds of the place a butler a husband and a french maid posed under a great cluster of lights amid the tapestries and statuary of a wealthy screen family as the butler resembled macbeth and the maid was clearly a chorus girl and the husband looked like nothing in the world but a moving picture star the initiated might readily conclude that this was a successful society drama the lights hissed and roared the carpenter pounded and built the directors took off their coats and yelled at each other and everybody else under the great signs which read no smoking the cast assembled and lit one cigarette from another tossing the unextinguished ends on the floor and in an obscure corner ethel the moving picture baby wailed unceasingly for years afterwards whenever anything that resembled the hiss and roar of those terrible lights sounded near her Fifi instinctively listened for the voice of Ethel. "'Always what you might expect up here,' Ficken yelled at them. "'Here's our date all made, and what do we get? "'They have an $80,000 picture on there, and naturally they can't take it down. "'Been at it all night. Through tomorrow, they swear. "'Suppose we go out with the car and hunt up our exterior somewhere. "'Get that out of the way.' "'So they all packed themselves into the car. "'Somehow,' and rode out for what seemed like endless hours, searching for the humble, neglected cottage of Fifi's scenario. One would have supposed it a fairly easy goal, but here the artistic temperament of Mr. Ficken rose and asserted itself incredibly. House after house was suggested to him, only to be scornfully discarded. The little sisters giggled. Somewhere around Pelham Bay he consulted his watch. "'Got room for one more?' he inquired. I asked Kansas to turn up about lunchtime for the stills. Just go to that subway that's somewhere round here, will you, Henry? He'll be there, I hope. Fifi drew a quick, uneven breath. So he was coming again after all. It would be amusing to hear his comments on the little sisters. It's a lovely day for a ride anyway, she said good-naturedly to Lila Betts. At the subway entrance, Mr. Hunt stood at ease surveying the loaded car condescendingly all you need is a few passengers he suggested good morning miss amory hope you're well he stood on the running board and totally ignored the young ladies exchanging professional amenities with the director 
Fifi felt immensely entertained, and threw in a joking comment now and then. It all seemed rather a lark again, and the little sisters were not so bad after all. Some obscure inspiration led Mr. Ficken at last to select for his exterior a neat, prosperous little cottage within two miles of the studio, and he and his mild, middle-aged assistant proceeded to busy themselves at dismantling and untidying it, so to speak, in which process they collected loads of assorted rubbish and dumped them about in conspicuous places, so that the angels of mercy and reconstruction in the terracotta capes and aviators' caps could have a field for their regenerative labors. While they did this, Fifi and Mr. Hunt talked in low tones on the steps of the side porch, and the little sisters adjusted the angle of their caps and powdered their little noses. "'Isn't that terrible?' said Kansas, in a consecrated sort of way. "'What?' she asked innocently. "'What? Oh, Lord, I suppose it seems little enough to you I forgot,' he muttered. "'But to me, I tell you, Miss Amory, if I had a sister and she did that, well, I'd wash her face for her, and in a way she wouldn't forget in a hurry.' "'How funny you are,' she said gently. "'Why, that's nothing really, Mr. Hunt. All girls do that.' if you could see some of them now. I'll bet there's one there that doesn't, he answered obstinately. That lovely one with the yellow hair. She's a peach if there ever was one she is. I wouldn't mind meeting her. You can see what a lovely innocent girl she is, all right. And just here a curious painful thing happened to Fifi. Inside her something tightened suddenly squeezed together as if a hand had grasped it. It cut her breath off, whatever it was, and hurt her abominably. Her lips tightened, and a slow, unbecoming red crept up her cheekbones, flooding out the little crimson discs of excitement that betray all Crowlanders, and that Mr. Hunt supposed to be artificial. "'You think so?' she said lightly. "'Dear, dear. I say, Lila, come here a minute, won't you?' Lila Betts, whom nature had provided with a skin like milk, who preferred, not entirely unreasonably, to look like a Killarney rose, hastened willingly to the side porch. "'Anything I can do?' she asked, gazing with a kindly, open, somewhat childish stare at the tall, well-poised young gentleman. "'Have you got your vanity box with you?' said Fifi easily. "'Surest thing you know,' Miss Betts returned good-naturedly holding out a little silver case. Take the pale pink if you like. It's my own special, and I don't often lend it. The dust is awful. Thanks, says Fifi. I only wanted some powder. That isn't my lipstick on the left, so don't try it. It's my cigarette holder, Miss Betts volunteered. But I left my case in the car. Worst luck. Let me present Mr. Hunt, Miss Betts. Fifi remarked smoothly. I must run away and see how far Mr. Ficken has got. I'll leave you to entertain Mr. Hunt, Lila. He directs the still pictures. I'm sorry, but I have to go, interrupted the Kansan gruffly, and stretched his long legs toward the group round the camera. Lila stared. A bit abrupt, your young friend, she suggested. They're a funny lot, said Fifi, and turned away. What a pig! What a beast I am, she muttered to herself. Why? Why did I do that? 
I wish I'd never seen him. She stumbled off behind the house, and there, in a little woodshed, he stood, smoking furiously. A nice set, he muttered to her, gloweringly. There's not much to choose between you. Actress or society girl, you're all the same. What do you mean? Who's an actress? she demanded, as roughly as he. You are, aren't you? he asked. How do you dare say such a thing? Of course I'm not an actress. None of us are. You're not, he cried, his whole face softening. Honest? Then as she shook her head wonderingly, Wash that paint off your face, then, he stormed, and he took a step toward her. Paint! she cried angrily. What paint? Are you crazy? I never paint. And as furious as he, she drew out a handkerchief, scrubbed it over her crimson cheeks and lips, and held it trembling out to him. There! she cried. He took her hand with a piece of linen in it, and appeared to study it. An unbearable rage possessed her. Oh! she gasped, and lifted her hand and slapped his bended cheek full and fair. Oh, would you? he muttered. You little spitfire, I'll show you. And pressing her arms, helpless to her sides with one of his, he turned her face round and kissed her mouth. And then, and then only, did Fifi understand what had happened to her and her professor, and her poetry, and her dramatics all melted out of her life forever. On the next day a tall and reasonably handsome young officer in freshly pressed khaki stood in her father's library. This is Lieutenant Hunt, Papa, from Kansas, but I'm going to marry him just the same, Fifi said. She had a coat, and skirt, and a silk shirtwaist on because he liked them better. And the ends of her short hair were pinned in, somehow, so you would never have guessed it was short. Mr. Amory looked at them with interest. Well, well, he remarked genially, and what's the matter with Kansas? I'm charmed to make your acquaintance, Lieutenant. You see, it was nothing like the books. He neither curled his lips scornfully, nor rang for the butler to kick the young man downstairs. Instead, he told that uninterested menial to bring some whiskey and soda. Nor was Mrs. Amory any more what you would have supposed. She had a long talk with Mr. Hunt, pronounced him a fine, intelligent young fellow, and expressed the conviction that he could manage Fifi if anybody could. And his father was not a crusty old farmer, but the president of a bank in Kansas City and he himself could grow up in a bank if he liked. But he didn't like, because he was an inventor, and interested Mr. Amory immensely the first hour with an account of an entirely new non-inflammable film he had invented, which was going to revolutionize the motion-picture industry. Indeed, he became highly popular with the entire family, and Patsy flirted shamelessly with him, which embarrassed him horribly, and Pips wanted to model his head for the sake of the sittings. But Fifi loved him, as she had never loved anything on earth, and prayed every night on her knees that she might make him a good wife, which, so far as I know, she did. End of section 15 Recording by Capricia Page